Shalom. Shavuot Tov to all of you, lovely listeners of this beautiful station, a station which is a fortress of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Halakha, and of course religious music. It's Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I uh, would like to say Dvar uh, Torah regarding the parasha we read yesterday. In, in Pasuk, in Perek Yud Aleph, Pasuk Bet, it says, Daberna be'ozne ha'am. Akadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu, there's one last plague, one last makkah I'm going to bring upon the Egyptians. But before that, I would like you, Moshe Rabbeinu, I would like you to Speak to the people, the Berna, please speak to the people. Vishalu ish me'etra'ehu. And every man should borrow from his fellow man, an Egyptian man, of course. Vishah me'etra'ota. And a woman from an Egyptian, another Egyptian woman. Kelechesef uchlezav. Civil and gold vessels. On top of that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that they will uh, lend them these things because Hashem gave like certain grace to the, to, the, to the Bnei Israel so that they were very ready and eager to actually give them. Now, why do we have the word na? Please speak to the nation, to the people of Israel. Mitzvot are not given with please. It doesn't say Shamor na et yom ha-shabbat nekadeshot. Does it please keep the Sabbath? No. Mitzvot are instructions, the obligations upon us to either go ahead and fulfill them. In this case, it says please. And the Midrash even amplifies that. The Midrash Yalkut Shimoni says, En na ela lashon bakasha. Really, na is like, like, please. He's pleading with Moshe Rabbeinu, go ahead and tell them to borrow silver and gold. Amar lo akadosh baruchu le Moshe. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Bivakasha mimcha, please. Go tell the Bnei Israel to go ahead and borrow. Why? Now, if you recall, 400 years before that, Agadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Avraham Avinu and told him something that's going to happen to, their, to his descendants. And he told him two things. They're going to be in a foreign land and they're going to enslave them 400 years. That's one thing. And after that, they're going to come out with great wealth. So the first part of it was fulfilled. They were there for four, you know, they, they were, for 400 years. They were in a foreign land and they, they actually were enslaved for 210 years. Because the first part was fulfilled. What about the second part? After that, they're going to go out from Mitzrayim very wealthy. That. So he has, Kadosh Baruch Hu has to uh, fulfill that. So this is why he's telling Moshe, go ahead, please make sure that they do so that that tzaddik, 
Abraham Avinu will not have any complaint. But unfortunately, asks a very good question here. Does it matter if Abraham Avinu is going to complain or not? After all, if Agalosh Baruch made a promise, he has to, he has to fulfill the promise. So why, please? So the Midrash mentions something, uh, interesting thought. Suppose someone was in, in jail for a very long time. Uh, this man has been thinking about freedom every single day that he was there. It was, he was thinking that the day where he'll go out and he'll be able to go to the grocery store by himself. He'll be able to take his car, take a drive. He'll be able to do whatever he wants. All he's thinking about is freedom. Then all of a sudden the man comes over to him and says to him, you know what? Next week, I'm going to get you free from the prison. Really? Yes. I have connections. Don't worry. I'm going to get you free. So that's beautiful. Then he says to him, you know what? After you're free, I'm going to somehow get you $100,000. The man said, wait a minute. Forget about the money. Please, just get me out of here. I just want my freedom. The same thing here with the Bnei Israel. They were enslaved for a long time. They were in prison for over two centuries. And all of a sudden now they say, Oh, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to tell them, Go ahead and borrow money. So they might say to him, Moshe Rabbeinu, forget about the money. Let's get us out of here. We want our freedom. We want the Geulah to come right away. So because that could happen, so Hashem pleaded with Moshe, please, make sure you talk, you talk to them and somehow be mashpia on them that they should go ahead and borrow. That's one reason. So another reason could be the following. Remember, the Bnei Israel have been enslaved for so long and they had a tremendous fear from their Egyptian masters. They were frightened from them. Can you imagine? They would take, borrow something and not give it back, giving them reason for pursuing them again. They were, they were, they were, they were frightened. They were scared. They wouldn't do something like that. There's the Egyptian masters. They were beating them. They were oppressing them. They were snatching their babies, throwing them in the river. They're going to go and borrow money and not give it back? That's why Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, please make sure that they go ahead and borrow. Now, you might ask a question. How come they took the money without returning it? Now, obviously, the halakha is you borrow from somebody. It is forbidden not to give it back. You have an obligation to give it back. What happened over here? Now, the Ibn Ezra says, we have to understand something. Hatsur tamim paolo. Akadosh Baruch everything he does is straightforward. 
כל דרך אב משפט. All his ways are fair according to proper justice. You see, if the Bnei Yisrael had borrowed these this, uh, silver and gold vessels on their own and not give it back, well, I, I, they can't. Asur. But this was not the case. It, Hashem told them to do so. Ibn Ezra says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns everything. All the wealth in the world belongs to him. Hashem Morishu Ma'ashir, Hashem has the right, or he, in his own, in Oz Darachim that we don't understand. He makes this one uh, poor, this one rich, and then uh, five years later, to the, you know, somebody else. That's the ways of Hashem. And Hashem decreed that this, the, the, the wealth of Mishraim should go to Rebbe Israel. So Rebbe Israel said, well, Hashem can do whatever he wants. That this is, it's not that they did this on their own. Hashem wanted it that way. Perhaps this is part of what Hashem told Avraham Avinu, Ve'gamitagoy asher ya'avodu dan anuchi. That the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the nation that enslaves them, Hashem is going to somehow uh, punish them for this enslavement. So maybe taking out the wealth is part of the punishment. Of course, the place, the makot, all that was, part of, that was a punishment. Perhaps this is another, another part of the punishment that this should take the, the money out. Is another thing. The, there is a midrash that at the time of Alexander the Great, and in the Gemara and the Midrashim, they call him Ale- Alexandros Mokdun, Alexander of Macedonia, because he came originally from Macedonia. So Alexander the Great was, uh, I know, around uh, over 300 years before the Common Era. And uh, he conquered <laughs> most of the civilized uh, world in those days, including Egypt, uh, Israel, and Syria, and and uh, even Persia, uh, they, 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 they had a tremendous empire over there. In fact, that was how the, after, uh, how the story of uh, Hanukkah came about, you know, starting from Alexander, then the Greeks, and there was Hellenism, and so on and so forth. And in the time of Alexander the Great, being that the Egyptians were under him also, and the Jews, so the Egyptians went over and complained. They said, you know, uh, some time ago, uh, maybe a thousand years ago, uh, the, the Bnei Israel took uh, all our wealth from Israel. They took everything. We want them to give it back to us. So, I said, okay, well, well, we'll see. So Alexander asks the uh, Bnei Israel, you know, the leaders, you know, answer them. So, of course, they were in a dilemma. And we're talking about big money here. So, there was one uh, elderly man that said, I'm going to go and answer them. Are you sure? Yes, I have the answer. So, he goes. And he asks them, says, what proof do you have? Where do you have the proof from? So from the from the Torah, you know, the, the Torah tells that if I not slew it, Mitzrayim, 
They emptied Mitzrayim. They took everything. Oh, from the Torah, okay. What does the Torah say about the enslavement of the Bnei Israel? 600,000 Jews were enslaved for 210 years without one penny being paid. You give them the salary of 600,000 people for 210 years and we'll pay you for the uh, silver and gold vessels that they took. In other words, what we see over here is there, was, there is some logical reason why the Bnei Israel uh, had some kind of a, a right uh, to uh, take that, 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 uh, all that wealth with them. They owed it somehow to them. This is, this is uh, one of perhaps a reasoning that we can uh, use at this, at this time. But of course, as the Ibn Ezra says, this was a command of God, of Akadosh Baruch Hu, and he can do anything, anything he wants. Now, there's another question that we can ask over here and say, well, we know Akadosh Baruch Hu can do any miracle he wants. If he can split the sea, it can rain the man on the Mnesa for 40 years. Why couldn't he rain uh, silver and gold and make them rich? Finish. Why do we have to go through this borrowing and this and this fear? Maybe they'll pursue them. Maybe this, maybe that. Agadosh Baruch can do what he wants. You know, in fact, there's a ma'aseh in Masechet Ta'anit, Rabbi Hanina bin Lusa. He was a very, very poor man. Great Tamid Hakam. What a Tanaim. But he was poor. And his wife was complaining. You're such a pious man. You're such a tzaddik. You do miracles for other people. Why don't you pray that Baruch should give you something so you can have some panasa? And he prayed. And a hand came in holding a golden leg of a three-legged table. Ah, a golden leg? Well, that's worth a lot of money. That ought to be enough. Plenty. So that same night, he had a dream. The dream was he was in Gan Eden. And all the, uh, the hachamim over there had three-legged tables, which means the table was steady. And he only had a two-legged table because one leg was taken away from him here in this world. Got up in the morning and he was very perturbed. And he told the story to his wife. And they both agreed, let them take it back. We don't want it. Let them take it back. And he prayed. And they took it back. And the Gemara continues and says, the miracle of taking it back was greater than the miracle of receiving it in the first place because Akadosh Baruch always gives. He doesn't take. But we see that you can have Nisim. We can have miracles of, you know, raining money. They could have the same thing. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai did something like that. When the Talmud wanted to leave to go into business, you know, oh, you want money? Come. 
takes him to a valley. So, let this valley be all full of gold, and all of a sudden, it's full of gold. So why didn't why didn't Hashem do it? Why did He insist on taking this wealth from the Egyptians, the masters? In order to understand this, I would like to bring up a a story that I read a while back about uh, Rabbi Shmuel Strashun. And we call him the Rashash. The Rashash, he lived in the 19th century. Uh, he passed away around 1870-something. He was not an Avbedin. He was not a Rosh Hashiva. He was not even a he was not even a rav of a town, but he was a great giant in scholarship. In fact, uh, he wrote a lot of pirushim uh, on almost every uh, every daf in the uh, in the shas, and he was also very tzaddik, a pious man, and he loved to help the people. So he set up a gemach, a gemilut chesed, where he would lend money to the people who needed the money for personal reasons, let's say, or what have you, without interest, of course. And uh, after a while, you know, they give it back to him. And he lends it to somebody else. He did. You know, he was he was well to do. Uh, you know, he had a very very good panasa. And uh, he could afford to the, the somehow lend the money to other people. And, uh, you know, it was not a big problem for him. So one time, a tailor comes over to him from the town. And he says, you know, I would like you to lend me a certain amount of money, something like 300 rubles in those days in Russia, which was quite a bit. And uh, he says, no problem. Fine. And when will you give it back to me? You get it back in 12 months. Fine. He gives it the money. The tailor needed to have a khatuna for his daughter. Everything went very nice and beautiful. 12 months later, this tailor comes in with an envelope, with the money inside, with his name on the envelope, comes, knocks at the door of the Rashash, and the Rashash was so much involved in a sugya that he was learning at the time, a sugya of the Talmud, that he didn't even realize that the man was giving him money. He took the envelope, he put it like inside the, the volume of the shas, and it just kept on going like, like, like nothing happened. Fine. Two weeks later, the Rashaz is looking into his hashbonot to see who, who borrowed money, who gave back money, this and that. And he sees that uh, this tailor uh, was due. Two weeks before that, it was due to give 300 rubles. Didn't show up. So he calls him. says, uh, you know, you owe me 300 rubles. What do you mean? I gave it to you two weeks ago. I didn't get anything. No, I gave it to you. No, I didn't get anything. So, what's the problem? 
What do you do? So you go to Bedin. I go to Bedin. So he's going to have to, the, the person that paid is going to have to make a Shavuah that he paid. And the Rashash did not want that to happen. He did not because he, in his mind, he did not pay him. It will be Shavuah Shav, whatever. And he didn't want to do that. So he, he said, no, no, so forget it. Any more help? No, just go ahead. No problem. Meantime, the word got around that the tailor borrowed money and did not give it back. And his reputation kept on going down and down. And to the point where nobody comes to him for business. So he had no choice. He closed the store, went somewhere else, went to a different town. Fine. Sometime later, Josh was learning a sugya where he needed that same volume where he put the envelope. So he takes out the volume and he opens and he sees an envelope. And the envelope had the tailor in there. And he counts the money exactly 300 rubles. Oh, what should he do now? I mean, the, 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 the tailor now uh, has uh, quite, uh, suffered quite a bit. His business went down. He went somewhere. He doesn't even know where he is. That can't happen. He must rectify it. The Rashash was a very pious man, Adam Sadiq. He made a mistake, but he wants to rectify it. He has to ask Mahila from this man. So he went ahead and tried to figure out where he is. It wasn't simple. But finally he did. And he said to the tailor, please forgive me. I made a mistake. I found the money. I'm willing to go uh, publicly and declare that it was my mistake. You did give me the money. And you'll get back your reputation. And, you know, and everything will be fine. You can come back to the town. So he answers him, I don't think so. When you do something like that, the people are going to say, Ah, Shaj was such a tzaddik that he's just blaming himself, but they all will still be thinking that I'm the one who was the culprit. What's the answer? He says, You know what? Shaj has a daughter, the tale has a son, let them get married. And you and I will be consuegros. Now, people can't say that you gave me a daughter just, you know, just like that, you know. They can't say, oh, no, because he has a bad, you know, the reputation is still bad. Only the, the Rashash wanted, wanted to, uh, uh, to be good to him and nice to him. No, now will be a tremendous hezuk. Because if you can't take me as your mechutan, as they say in Yiddish, or consuegro, as they say in, 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 uh, in Sephardic uh, circles, then obviously you, it is true that I did pay you. The same thing over here. We're talking about the Bnei Yisrael. Sure, HaKadosh Baruch would have rained on them as much money as possible. That that other point, he could have done that. But he wanted to give him a certain kind of a chizuk over the Egyptian masters. They had a tremendous fear from the Egyptians. 
They were scared even to leave. This way, there's a, a very good chizuk. Why? They're going to take something from them with the intention of not giving it back. Now, they're going to feel uh, stronger. Uh, and their fear is going to disappear. Slowly and slowly, but it will. Perhaps, just perhaps, another reason for the fact that Hashem told them to have the Korban Pesach, which is a, a talia, say, a lamb. Now, as you know, in those days, the lamb was the god of the Egyptians. And they were supposed to take it on a tenth, keep it for four days until the fourteenth, and then slaughter it. In the meantime, Hazal tells us that the Egyptians were asking them, well, "Why do you have this here? You know, what are you? So, oh, we're gonna slaughter this, you know, on the fourteenth." And the Egyptians, she, she named Kehot. They were grinding their teeth with anger. But they didn't touch them. Didn't do any harm. Of course, one of the reasons why it was, was done, because the Kadosh Baruch wanted to have, uh, have some uh, mitzvot, dam Pesach, uh, dam Mila, so they should be, uh, have some zechuyot for the Geulah. But perhaps also, this will also uh, give him more chizuk in, in convincing themselves that after all, the Egyptians' masses were not the all-powerful. They were the weak ones. Hashem is the powerful one. So this is maybe one of the reasons why they asked, Hashem asked them to uh, take the money from them. But see Rabutai that Akadush Baruchu at Sur Tamim Paolo, everything that he does, his ways are Mishpat. We may not understand them, but this is the ways of Hashem. We also learn a lesson here from the our great Tamidi Hachamim, like the Rashash. When he found out he made a mistake, he ran in order to correct the mistake. Admitting a mistake, a very, very important for every human being. After all, you're not living by yourself. You're living in a family, in a community. If you do something wrong, the first part to correct it is admit. It's the same thing when a person, has shalom, sins. One of the things is admit that you sinned. Then you can ask forgiveness. It's the same thing. We should learn from the ways and the behavior of our great Tamidi Hachamim. So, Rabutai, I want to wish everybody Shavuot Tov. I want to make sure that everyone understands the importance of this station here and try to help out as much as possible. And as usual, I want to remind you that we do have a beautiful uh, ballroom in our synagogue uh, ready for a hatuna, bar mitzvah, uh, brit milah, showers, whatever, uh, can accommodate up to 400 guests. If you have any simha, please come take a look at our place. Thank you. Shavuatov.